Today, as we go into this idea of, of government and the Christian's role in government, I, I want to um, tell you, I kind of had to pick a, a direction because the, 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 the information and what the Bible has to say about it, and there's just, it's just too broad of a topic. But before we get into that, and how does the Christian, the, the topic today we're going to deal with is, is how does a Christian, how does a Christian respond to government oppression, all right? How does a Christian respond to government oppression? Now, I know a lot of you are on YouTube and a lot of you are on Facebook, but I want to ask you to do something, okay? I just want you to because uh, I know this is a politically charged uh, idea in that, you know, a lot of people uh, would say that uh, I've heard it for most of my entire ministry career that uh, preachers and pastors shouldn't get into politics. Well, that, that sounds good on paper. The problem is from Genesis to Revelation, it just doesn't work because our, it is our role to help our people navigate through that because a lot of good has been done through government and a lot of evil has been done through government. So we're, we kind of live between those worlds. And, and I'm not, I would rather take risks and talk about things that aren't fun to talk about or are not even fun, things that are just risky for me to talk about. I'd rather do that than to leave you without equipment on how to navigate through what we're seeing uh, and, and really what we're going to see until Jesus comes. But as we go into this today, I want to I ask you to do one thing, okay? And here it is, right? I want you to think about your witness and Clearview's witness before you post comments. Think about your witness and think about Clearview's witness before you post comments in Facebook or YouTube or on social. And here's why. I don't know of a single person that I've ever met that hasn't put something on social media they wish they wouldn't have said. Or sometimes, you know, I've, I've known some of the sweetest people that are incredibly harsh and mean online. It, it's, we just say things online and, and sometimes we shouldn't. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to say before you post anything, especially in this stream, I mean, you really think about does the whole world need to hear it? And if it does, then it does. But, but just think about that. Now, here's my motive today. My motive today is, is I, I put it down in a statement, is to provide you with biblical truth to navigate a world where government oppression will increase until Christ returns. I'm going to say that again. My goal is to provide you with biblical truth to navigate a world where government oppression will increase until Christ returns. And I want to ask you a favor. Don't drop out of this uh, broadcast. It, it, you know, uh, it, it, I don't know how long it's going to take. I'm going to get right to it. But stay with me because let me tell you, until Jesus comes, this is going to be a thing. And, and it's not just about COVID. It's, gonna, it's been a thing for a long time, and it's going to change faces. The situations are going to be different. But I'm telling you, Christian friend, this is something that you really do need to know. And so we're going to open our Bibles to Romans 13. If you have a Bible, if you don't, I have it on the screen for you. Uh, Romans 13 is where we're going to start. That's probably the most famous passage in the New Testament in dealing with government. And uh, I put it up here. So we're just going to deal with the first few verses, okay? Romans uh, kind of toward the middle middle to the end of your, of your Bible and after the book of Acts and, and the Gospels. So here we go. Ready? Uh, Romans 13, 1. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Next verse. Therefore, whoever, uh, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. 
For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God, talking about the government, is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. In other words, government does not bear the sword. Government's been given the power of the sword for a reason. God did that. For it is a minister of God, an an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. Because, every, because of this, you also pay taxes for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves uh, to this very thing. Render to all what is due to them. Tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Okay, so there's, there's a lot there. And, and my motive, again, is to help you navigate the idea of what do we do in times of Christian persecution. Because the, the, the reality is government's good and some governments are bad. So what do we do in between, you know, those, those beacons, if you will? The first thing I want to do is just talk to you for a minute about what, what in this context, what submission means. Because that can, that can be a word that some people bow up at, you know, and, and I don't want you to do that. But submission simply means this, and I kind of defined it for you. To Willfully come underneath leadership to honor God's structure. That's what it means here in this context. To willfully come underneath leadership. Willfully come underneath leadership to honor God's structure. So, so what, what does it mean for us to... Let's first talk about what does it mean to honor government and why is that important? Because it is very important. What, why, do, why do we do that and what does it, what does it do? Well, I would say to you uh, the, the first bedrock truth is that honoring government honors God's sovereignty. And you say, what, what do you mean by that, Jason? Well, if you look in verse 1 of Romans 13, this says, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. It says, For there is... No authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. So when, when we honor government, what we're honoring is the fact that God has set up a kingdom in which he has given government the ability to, to rule. And, and, and he did that. He, it doesn't mean that every, but don't think, it doesn't mean that every government is righteous, because we all know that it's not. Um, there are good forms of government and there are bad forms of government. But it is important that by honoring governing officials, we're, we're doing our best to honor the, the sovereignty of God. God has a kingdom and, um, and it's important for us to understand that God, God sees what we don't see. God knows what we don't know. And, and, and one of the things, I mentioned this a few sermons back when uh, How Do Christians Deal With World Events. One of the things that we all, including me, we all lose sight of is that God lives in the future and God lives in the past and God lives in the present. Our lives are a tiny grain of sand on a long timeline. What God might be doing through this government is setting something up for, a, for something else he's doing 50, 60 years from now. And, and, and so the reality is we, we have to trust his kingdom plan that, that, that he is obviously doing what he, what he knows to do. I, I will tell you another truth about honoring government. Honoring government maintains order. 
And, and think about, I mean, can you imagine life with, without government? You know, think, think about, uh, now there's some people that are like, you know, I just think the government should fix the roads and, and defend the country, you know, and, and uh, that's about it. So, some people have a, a, an incredibly limited view of government and some want government to be in control of everything. And that's the nature of, of America. But, but the truth is that God instituted government to bring order. We, you know, we, we have a lot of you here at Clearview that work in government on the state level, on the local level. Some of you work alongside government. Government has a lot of good attributes, and government does a lot of good. And, and I'm thankful, personally, that we have Clearview people, righteous, Holy Spirit-filled people in government to, to be a light to what can be a very dark culture at times and a very cutthroat culture. And uh, it's a, that's not an easy world to, to live in and, and to put a career in. So I'm very proud of our people who work in government agencies and, and people in, in uh, Clearview that, that, that do that. But when it comes to order, you know, it made me think about something when, it talk, when we, when we talk, so I'm talking about thinking of God's sovereignty and, and the idea of, of order. It made me think about Genesis, actually. You know, Genesis, the book of Genesis wasn't written to be a polemic against science, an argument against science. I mean, think about it. God takes major steps, and there's a lot of information left out of Genesis. It's always interesting to me how many Christians uh, will always try to use Genesis to prove science. Genesis wasn't written to prove science. Let me tell you what was happening in those days. The world was full of chaos. People believed in the river God and the moon God and the water God and the earth God and the fire God and the, and, and the, the God of fertility and the, the God of wrath and the God of war and the God of fire. And I mean, there was just all this randomness in the universe. Genesis was written to say, no, one God did all of this. So, I mean, don't you think that if God wanted to use Genesis to explain the atom and science and all these things, that he would have done a lot more than said, I said, let there be light, and there was light, and the light was good. I mean, it, it's, it's intentional that he's not getting into all that. It was bringing order to chaos. And, and, and I think that's what God has done through government is that, that now if government chooses to go off the path, which we're going to talk about in a minute, if, if government chooses to go off the path, then that's on them. But God uses government to bring order. And my, my stars, do we, do we certainly need it? Because it says in verse 2, that says, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they have opposed, they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. It, it is literally established by God. And so I thought I'd take a quick second in thinking about order, and especially in light of COVID and what, uh, what, what our church has done. And I, I put just a, a few, there's more, but I put a few on the, on the, the screen here for you. Uh, as far, this is what your church has done. If you're looking at this, this is what your church has done. One, we've willfully supported Tennessee state suggestions. If you look at what Clearview's done, we, we, have, we have done a great job of, of walking right alongside everything our, our government has asked us to do. And, and we, we wanted to do that. We wanted to help. We didn't want to further the problem. Um, we've empowered our staff to work off campus. Again, these are just a few things we've done. We've created path to hope for non-believers. I want to tell you, you know what I was proud of? Our church's first response in when COVID really kind of came on the scene, when, when all the, that, the requests for quarantines were going down, our first response wasn't to think about Clearview. Our first response was to think about non-believers because we know where our hope comes from. And we know even if we die, we, we, we're going to be okay because we, we know 
who Christ is. So we actually used it for an evangelism purpose, which I think speaks a lot to our church's mission mindset. And, and the last I would say is we designed creative mission efforts. I don't know if you have realized it, because maybe you haven't. It's been a busy world, and some of you haven't, haven't had a chance to keep up with all we're doing. But I'll tell you, Kim Margrave and and people in our missions team, and I, I, we have, we, I'm telling you, we have done some creative mission stuff during COVID. You, you, if you haven't kept up with that, you would be so proud of our church. And so we, we've done a lot to, to honor government and what's going on, and I just want you to know that, that we've willfully done that. I, I think there's, a, there's one other uh, key truth here about government, and that is that honor, honoring government honors God's name. And, and uh, if, if you think about what, what, Paul said in Romans uh, 13.2, he said, Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. He's talking about a defiant spirit. And a defiant spirit is not a good Christian witness. Now, there's times certainly we are to be defiant. But a defiant spirit that we just uh, thumb our nose at, at, at things um, that is, uh, and, and just constantly rebel, that is, you know, that is, that is not the idea that, that God has for us. That we're, and we're going to get into why that matters a little more in a minute. But I do want to say to you that I told you that submission is to, to willfully come underneath leadership. But submission doesn't mean blanket compliance, right? Submission is what? To willfully come underneath someone's leadership. Let me give you an example. Let's take a husband and a wife. The scriptures are told that, that the wife is to come underneath the authority of the husband because God has ordained the man to lead the home. That's God's, that's God's order, not mine. So God has said that I am to lead the home. The man is to lead the home. So the, the, the woman is to willfully come underneath the man's leadership. That is submission. So if he beats her, is she supposed to stand there and smile and take it? No, that's, that's blanket compliance when that, when that man has gone off the planet, right? So submission doesn't mean blanket compliance. And so what it does mean, it begs the question, and the question is kind of simple, then when is it right? At what point is it right to defy the government? And how do we do that? And, and what's that supposed to look like? And that's a long conversation. You do realize that I'm trying to knock out all this stuff in one small sermon, and there are entire courses taught. There's entire college degrees on political science. I mean, this is, uh, I'm using broad brushstrokes here. But, but I want to talk about when is it right, because this is the... This is the thing that happened in COVID, and, and I've mentioned it a few times to you guys on Navigating Strange Days in, um, on the Tuesday night we've been doing, and, and I've mentioned it a couple times just in times like these sermons. One of, the, one of the things that I really wasn't mentally prepared for is to, to watch mayors and governors uh, across our land, across America, I wasn't, I just wasn't mentally on my toes that they would overreach to the point that they have, especially targeting churches. And that has grieved me. In fact, it got very, it's been getting very uncomfortable for me as a pastor, realizing we, we're not too awful far you know, from having to stand up for some things if, if this comes to Franklin. 
it's, it's already made it into Tennessee in some places on the local level. And so at, at the momentum shifted with COVID when it came to religious freedom. The momentum shifted. Uh, and, and there's been some new narratives that have popped up. And, and the issue has been about, about precedent. And, and if you don't think, friends, that some, some people in politics are out to gain legal precedent, I think you're honestly being naive. Legal precedent is what is going on here. And, 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 and so I, I began to do more and more research in the last few weeks, knowing that this sermon was coming. And I don't have the time. And this is heartbreaking. I don't have the time to bring up what's happening in so many different states, especially with local governments and mayors uh, and, and in some go- governors of states. But, but just to mention a few, you know, you, you've had things going on in, in Kentucky that's, you know, obviously just a, a few hours up the road. You, you know, and I put some of those articles on, on the screen for you. You know, you, you've got, the Justice Department has had, has had to step in more than once on what's going on. There's a lot of lawsuits flying around the United States of America right now uh, because of religious targeting and First Amendment uh, encroachment. You've got, you've got what's happened in, in, in Knox County, Tennessee, where the, the Department of Health was, was attempting to tell churches they couldn't serve communion because the Department of Health did not deem that to be core to religious practice. I mean, th- that is mind-boggling to me, the, 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 that kind of statement. You've got uh, the mayor of New York City uh, threatening to permanently shut down churches uh, if he has to. And, and so, I mean, this is on our doorstep now. And so, so what the momentum has shifted, not everywhere, but it, it's enough to make you realize, like I said, this isn't just about COVID. And I want to reiterate that. My goal in this sermon together is not for, is not really just targeting COVID. It's really not targeting that at all. My goal is to let you know that from now until the eastern sky splits across the globe, not just in America, across the globe, Christians are going to be faced, if you read the Bible, Christians are going to be faced with more and more and more government oppression. And so what do we do? Well, I think the first place we have to look at is the First Amendment. And I wanted to show it to you, especially those of you that are students. A lot of you are are middle school and high school students, and you're watching with your parents right now. This is something you've got to know as, as a believer in Christ, that our country was founded upon this bedrock principle. And here it is, First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. In other words, there can't be a state or government religion. Congress shall make no law prohibiting the free exercise thereof, meaning Congress cannot make a law prohibiting you from worshiping as you see fit, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So that's your First Amendment. Congress shall make no law. And here's, here's the truth that I want you to understand. And I really, like, if you're sitting there on your couch and maybe, like, you know, you're eating a, a breakfast burrito or something right now, like, this is a big deal. I really want you to, 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 to think through this with me and look, look at this, okay, what I'm about to tell you, because this is important, all right? According to the First Amendment, the church cannot violate the First Amendment. 
Only the government can violate the First Amendment. So I'm going to leave that up there for a minute. I want you to let that sink in. The church can't violate the First Amendment. Our framers set it up that only the government can encroach on the First Amendment. And that's a big deal. And that's been happening in pockets across our nation. And it won't be the last time. Now, as we look coming toward Tuesday night, as we go in uh, to May 12 and announcing our, uh, our plan to return to Clearview, I've been telling you for weeks that there's no law that says we couldn't meet. I mean, they, they, they can try to tell us and suggest things, but there's nothing that says Clearview couldn't have kept going right on. We just didn't think it would be responsible. And, and so now, as we're working toward getting back to some rhythm of life, I wanted to show you something in a second. Don't, don't put it up there yet. But I wanted to show you what, what recently came out of the governor's office. Uh, and, and I want to say whether our governor was a Democrat or Republican or an independent, I'm, I'm telling you with every ounce of good conscience I have, whether I knew our governor or whether I don't, I, whether, no matter what political stances our governor had taken Whoever was in office to make the kind of statement that our governor's office has made should make every Christian, Democrat or Republican Christian, should make every Christian thankful that Tennessee has a governing office that, that would say this. Look, I want to show you this. And this is, this, this is a portion. I couldn't put it all on the screen. It's too big of a document. This came out a few days ago. In talking about churches going back to what is normal and following CDC guidelines, this is an excerpt from it. Not all suggestions will be appropriate for each faith community. These suggestions are included as a courtesy for your convenience. These suggestions are not and should not be construed as mandates or requirements by the state of Tennessee, the governor's office of faith-based and community initiatives, or any other entity, federal, state, or local government. And let me tell you, friends, when Governor Lee put that out, Guess who had to comply? Knox County. Guess who had to comply? Other mayors that were encroaching on religious freedom. Don't you see the battle this has caused? It is on our doorstep. So I'm very thankful that, that our governor has, has protected religious freedom. I was on a conference call not long ago with him, and he was expressed to us as pastors. He said, I have worked really hard to make sure that churches are protected in, in all religious institutions, and, and, and I'm thankful for that. So the, the, the question is, you know, the, the, uh, our framing documents tell us that we have certain unalienable rights, that we have unalienable rights. They cannot be encroached on. So when they are, when they are encroached on, what do we do? How do we handle that? Well, here, here's our first response. I think we are to live as a peacemaker. Uh, that's, our, that's our goal, and that should be our heart no matter what. And I'll tell you, a great example of that comes in Romans 12. If you still have your Bible open, in Romans 12, 18, Paul says, Never take, uh, I mean, it's, it's impossible, so he said, if possible, sorry, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be it Peace with all people, all mankind, if possible, when possible, if at all possible. We are to live as people who are, you're to be a peacemaker. That is uh, exactly what 
what I believe the, the Lord requires of us uh, to do as much as we can to live at, at peace. And uh, I think that's pretty simply, simply stated. And in reality, I think it's, it's part of that, uh, that upside-down wisdom that you see in Christianity. Like, in fact, if, you, if you're still in chapter 12 right there, look in verse 14. What is a few verses before it? Paul says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. He says, verse 17, Never pay back evil for, for evil. I mean, think about that. Bless those who persecute you. Someone said that somewhere, right, in, in a Sermon on the Mount, right? Uh, so th- that's, that's the upside-down flip of Christianity, that we trust God to the point that, that we, will, we will do our best to live at peace. I, I think there's another key principle when, when the government is encroaching is that we need to trust God for wrath. Trust God for his wrath. Look at what Romans 12, 19 says. Never take your own revenge. Think about that for a minute. Never take your own revenge, beloved. But leave room, leave margin for the, for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. So, and I, and I want to say something to you, friend. Um, there's no amount of wrath that you and I could institute on any person or any institution that would have any bearing on what God can do. And the truth is, we don't want anybody to fall under the wrath of God, ever. But we, we can trust God, that God is a God of justice, and he will, he will make right what has been made wrong. And when, when governments go off the rails, and uh, we have to trust him for, for that. So, how do we respond? What's, what's the key way? What is the number one most important truth to walk away with today? When, when you face government oppression, and you will face it. Clearview hasn't faced it yet, but I'm telling you, we will. We will. In the coming years, we will. And when that, when that day comes, uh, and I think that's what's rattled me so much with COVID, is I felt it like almost on my street. Uh, I'm like, wow, this is getting pretty serious here. We're, gonna, we're not far from having to make some choices if, if this creeps into our state uh, on the local level, on the government level, on the federal, federal level. It was a very sobering reminder that the word of the Lord is not, is not just throwing out random truths like, this is, Jason, this is going to happen to you, and you need to know what to do. So what do we do? At the, end, at the end of it all, this is what we say. Honor government until forced to choose between government or God. We are to honor government until forced to choose between government or God. You know, the, the facts are that the Scriptures just cite too many instances where Old and New Testament give concrete examples of people of God defying government. And I, I, I could list off way too many. I'm going to give you just a couple of quick ones. One was in Exodus chapter 1, and I put it on the screen for you. Exodus chapter 1, when the Hebrew midwives refused Pharaoh's order to to kill babies. The, The king had issued an edict that all of the Israelite males, when these midwives went to go deliver babies... When it, was, when it was a male, the king, the, the head of the government said, you, sh- you, sh- you will kill the males. And the, and the women said, nope, not going to do it. 
That was defiance of a state order. Uh, Daniel chapter 3, when Nebuchadnezzar, he, he was refused. He was the king. Not, not that he refused. Nebuchadnezzar was refused. He, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when, when they were told to bow down and worship the, the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, they said, you can throw us in the fire or you cannot. And God, if you do throw us in the fire and God doesn't show up, makes no, makes no difference to us. We will not bring praise and songs and worship and adoration to an image of a man. So that's a, a willful defiance of a state order. If you, if you fast forward to the New Testament, one of the most, one of the most um, widely known places in the New Testament where, this, where, where uh, apostles went and the disciples went against a, uh, a court order was in Acts 5. Uh, so Peter and John are brought in front of the, the council and, and this is what they said, uh, chapter 5, verse 28. We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. In other words, you're not to continue in the name of Christ. And yet, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood on us, talking about Christ. And Peter and the apostles, so there was a group of them. Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Willful defiance of a state order. And so that we pretty clear. Even Jesus, when, when Jesus was asked about taxes uh, by Pharisees, they were trying to, to put him in a corner. And what a great answer. Jesus, they said, hey, who, do you, who should we honor? Because, you know, Caesar's name is on the coin. Caesar's name's on the coin, so who do you honor? Who do you pay allegiance to? And Jesus said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and render to God the things that are God's. So we have to use our mind, and we have to uh, we have to use our wisdom that God, that God gives us. Um, again, I want to say to you that submission is to willfully come under, but it's never blanket compliance. So I, I just want to, I want to leave you with a very simple truth that all of us should keep at the forefront of our minds. is that God will never call you to disobey him in order to obey government. Now, I want to leave that up there for a minute. You know, it, it's a big thing for me to speak for God, right? As you, as you read that statement, I want you to hear my voice and say, it's a, it's a very sobering thing for me to speak on behalf of God. But I'm going to tell you that God's never going to ask you to disobey Him in order to obey any government when it is willfully calling you to disobey the Lord your God. He's just not going to do that. We're going to have government pressure in the years to come. We're going to have cultural pressure that will often go along with government pressure. We're pressured as much from culture as we are anywhere, maybe more so in culture, to conform. But I'm going to tell you, never forget, friend, that this world is temporary. This world is temporary. And I, I, can, I can tell you that one of these days, if the sky doesn't split, that you and I both are going to stand before the Lord our God and Christ is going to be our advocate. And I am going to do everything that God has instructed me to do. It is my intent to the depths of my bones to honor the Lord God because this life is temporary. And no matter how much pressure I am put under, uh, as your pastor, uh, I'm not looking for a fight, but I'm not going to back down from one either. When it comes to, 
people trying to tell us when, who, and how we're allowed to worship. That's when government's gone too far. And uh, I pray those days are a, a long way from now. And I, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take these, the tenets of what we've talked about today, and I'm going to put them in a PDF file. And uh, we're going to make it downloadable for you on our website. And in the next few days, it won't be up today. I've got to, I've got to put it together. But I thought I would, I would give it to you because you're going to need frames of reference in the, in the, in the years to come. And I want to say a special word before we, before we go off today. You know, we've got a lot of people at Clearview. We've got more than a few at Clearview that work in government, uh, from law enforcement to all the way to high offices here at Clearview. And I want to say I'm very proud of you. Uh, you, you, peop- you all of you, men and women, you are people of class. Uh, you are people of honor. You are people of righteousness, and I, I just want you to know that we're behind you, and we're with you, and we are for you, and we are proud to call you our, our brothers and our sisters in, in Christ, and you, you keep shining the light. Let your light so shine before men that your good deed, the good deeds of your Father will be seen, and he'll be given glory, right?